Welcome to Psychopath in Your Life. This is episode number 101, and I'm your host, Diane Emerson. I'm the author of the book, Psychopaths in Our Lives, My Interviews. I'd like to thank all of you who have been joining me on this journey here on YouTube and also on the audio platforms talking about psychopaths. And one thing that I'd like to be very clear about is that we are only talking about psychopaths. And the definition of that is a person without a conscience. So I don't know where people are coming up with this covert narcissism stuff and all that, but we're specifically on this channel talking about psychopaths. But all psychopaths do have underlying narcissistic tendencies. So it, <coughs> excuse me, Daniel. <coughs> Because all psychopaths have narcissistic underlying tendencies, it also can get confusing and people will say, well, this person is a narcissistic psychopath, sociopath, throw them all in. If you just use the word psychopath, you pretty much have it covered if you're looking into describing somebody without a conscience. And I do thank all of you for your support of this show and subscribing and click that bell because we will have another show out this week. Um, and I really appreciate all the comments everybody gave on the last few episodes about hate. Um, it's a subject that I will return to eventually because it just seems like we got the market flooded with hate these days. But, you know, this is almost kind of like a little experiment on my part because um, the Watts case has brought up such raw energy, emotion, and all of that over the murder of those poor children in Shanann and just the horrible trauma of it all. Well, today, the story I'm going to bring you is about a corporation who not only murders people, but recklessly tosses them to the side and is part of the elite set in the world. There's buildings named after these people. But their murder rate, um, well, they kill more people in a day than Ted Bundy did through his whole career. Let's just put it that way, okay? So it's kind of interesting, but let me give you a little bit of the background because we're going to be talking about opioids. opioids. Now, here's the thing. I want to talk about opioids because, uh, well, A, it's a just an out-of-control train running through this country that everybody seems to act like, how that happened. So I'd like to bring you a little bit of context to how that happened. It was a lot of people looking the other way is how it happened. And I kind of like to get to the root of things. So let's go through this just real briefly as far as how this opioid thing happened and who's behind it. Because there were a lot of people that colluded in this case. And really, we're talking mass murder here. We're not talking about um, this. This wasn't just one family of people that got murdered. This was this was a nation of people that have been getting murdered. I bet that you probably can't talk to one family that has not been affected by the opioid crisis in this country. And along with that, we brought fentanyl, fentanyl along. And... I, I'm not really sure. We, we clearly have an addiction problem in this country, but I'm also not sure. Um, a lot of people got, became addicted to Oxycontin and these opioids, not by their own doing. These weren't people out looking on street corners for drugs. These were people who had were injured and were, were given drugs by the doctors and the medical community that they had every reason to believe were safe. So that's where the thing kind of runs off the rails here. So, but let's back up here a little bit because how did it all happen? In this world, 
the United States is like 5% of the world's population, give or take. Okay. We consume either 80 or 90% of the prescription pain medications in the world. A lot of pills, huh? But we're also exporting our um, love of drugs around the world. So we talk about wars on drugs, war on terror. It's all just a big PR move, okay? Basically, we have an out-of-control government who has very few checks and measures. And this opioid thing didn't just happen. There were a lot of people nudging it along the way. And it only really became public when one of those people was in the right class of people and happened to have told, uh, I think it was Obama, about their child overdosing on opioids. Then we got everybody's attention, okay? First white kid dies of it. Now we got the attention of the world. So anyhow, so I, I believe that there's a war on children. And here's the reason why, because this opioid thing has thrown hundreds of thousands of children out of their homes. Where are they going to go live? Foster care. Foster care is overloaded. So we're really creating a situation between the psychopathic companies. And yes, I do say that in all seriousness, because in order to unleash a drug on the public that has the power to kill as many people as Oxycontin has done in this opioid battle, no one's gone to prison, okay? The only people that have suffered are the families and the children and the communities. So how'd this whole game start? Well, they always have a plan, these psychopaths, okay? And this particular family, um, at the end of all of this, it's going to be, we're having two parts this week. Um, you may not, uh, you may want to go and apologize to your own family if you thought they were bad people, because these people give new meaning to the world, evil psychopaths. So anyhow, so what happened was, was that they started dumping these pills in, um, they did a report in the last year or so. And, and remember too, the other interesting thing about this is, has anybody been fired? Has anybody lost their jobs? Are any of these white-collar people in prison? Spoiler alert, nobody. Okay, so first what we do is um, that they, they, they knew that these pills were dangerous, okay? But they did a report because they were first caught. There's three distributors in the Oxycontin family, okay? But there's other drugs. There's like fentanyl, there's hydrocortone, but we're talking Oxycontin today, which is like the king of all pills. It is basically heroin in a capsule, okay? So out of this report, these people, you almost read these things and you think, am I reading, is, 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 am I, should, should I be laughing here? Is this comedy? So the report starts off by saying, so what they did was they dumped all these pills in West Virginia. Why West Virginia? Well, because there were a lot of people there at the time in the coal industry and whatnot. So there were a lot of injuries. So doctors um, were told these pain pills were safe to give to these people for, the, for these injuries. So these were hardworking people who became addicts, not by their own will, but because of being told by their doctor and the system. So before um, people start blaming the addicts, and it, that would be an easy route to take. And that, not surprisingly, is part of the defense that these despicable people have come up with is to blame the addicts. But anyway, so they came up with this 324-page report. You know, I don't know. 
since I've been doing all this work with these pedos and whatnot, I read these reports and reports and reports and investigate this, investigate that. All this money gets spent. Report comes out. Crickets. Nothing gets done. But they did admit an interesting thing. Here again, sometimes you think, am I reading a comedy page here? They did. The Federal Drug Enforcement Agency, which really, I'm not even going to start going there on that one, okay? Because if you think your drugs in this country are safe, I've got news for you. But anyway, so they did take a little bit of the, of the rap in this report, and they said that maybe they didn't do enough to help mitigate the nation's opioid addiction and overdose crisis. <laughs> really, 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 really. So here we got this big report they did out this last year, followed by an 18-month investigation. What's to investigate? People are taking too many pills. These pills are not coming from outside of this country. They're coming from in here. So, you know, war on drugs? Let's look inside here first, okay? Took them 18 months to investigate. So what it, during this investigation, uh, because you have the pill manufacturer and then you have their distributors, so you've got all these, and then you have the criminal family who does not quite look like the mafia because you'll find their name in Harvard and different elite places, and then you have their little buddy criminal enterprises, the distributors. See, they have to make the pills and the pills have to get out to the people, so... They all work together. And now you'll start to hear this, these names come up because so many of them are getting lawsuits right now. What's taken so long? Got me. But anyway, so you start to hear some of these wholesale drug companies' names like McKesson Corporation, Cardinal Health, and America Source Bergen. They're regional distributors of pills, Okay. What they cited in this report was massive pill shipments to West Virginia, which has a population of 1.8 million people. Big state, a lot, a lot of people, right? And it, that state alone has had the highest death rate from prescription drugs. And this company, McKesson, the one big distributor, they shipped an average of 9,000 650 hydrocortisone pills per day in 2007 to a now closed pharmacy in Kermit. We're going to get back to Kermit in a minute here, which had a population of about 400. Okay, so 9,600 pills per day, population 400. And normal dosage on those things. I think in hydrocortisone, oxycodone, all of this, typically, I think four to six pills a day. So a lot of pills. Um, they said the shipments were 36 times above the average monthly shipment that they had since the year before, from 2007. 2007 is when the match got lit, okay? But, you know, where are the feds in all this? Sleeping. So luckily, a good journalist did a report that showed that drug wholesalers shipped 780 million hydrocortisone and oxycotton pills to West Virginia coal mining place injuries from 2007 to 2012, a period when 1,728 people fatally overdosed on the painkillers. I think this is mass murder, if you ask me. And luckily, the gal. Um, Oh, excuse me, he was a reporter, Eric. I'd like to call it Eric Aaron. He, he won a Pulitzer Prize for his investigative reporting, but good, great for reporters because 
where's our government in all of this? I mean, how is this going on? People, these towns are being decimated. And of course, there's Senator Joe Manchin, who calls himself a Democrat. He still got his seat. Why don't people get people out of office, Bo? Okay, let me back off here a second. Okay. You can see that I find this a little bit troubling, especially when we get to the foster care part and how this whole thing unloads on the kids. That's the kids that live through it and don't get killed by the pills. So this this is a really good part. The committee report calls the shipments troubling and said it raises serious questions about compliance with the DEA-administered Controlled Substance Act. Well, no kidding. Until at least 2010, the DEA did not proactively review usage data. The DEA, this is this is your drug enforcement agency here, okay? There's there's a thing called diversion of drugs, okay? You diverge drugs for illicit purposes. So in other words, I would ship drugs to like they were down to the, that little town. What was it? Um, wherever that town of West Virginia was. So you divert them to different areas to kind of trick the system. But really, I don't know why they bothered because there's not much of a system here. So drug distributors are required to submit suspicious orders. Hmm, guess that other one didn't look too suspicious to anybody but me and you. But it still does not have a centralized way to analyze suspicious order reports submitted by drug distributors, the report said. I am sorry. We are so screwed up in this country. You know, I think I think some of this is on purpose. And I really got to say that because why is our government unleashing all of these deadly drugs with no checks and measures? We all know it's about money, but who who is getting paid along the way here? And what about all those poor families living with their kids, you know, dying of addiction and stuff? And then, then the parents, grandparents raising their grandkids. This, this is a hot mess here. So... It, it, it's, it, it still doesn't have a centralized way, okay? So, so just try to grasp that. Instead, suspicious shipments are typically reported to local DEA offices. So there's no, like, major call-in line. So let's say I'm packing up a bunch of stuff for the drug company. I notice that this little town is getting, I don't know, 100,000 Oxycontins for, the, for their week supply and population 400. There's really no central reporting. And one starts to wonder... On purpose? Really? If you don't give any place to report, then I guess the pills can still flow and people look the other way. So by, by referring it to local offices, naturally, there's inconsistent handling under varying regulatory interpretations. What a surprise. Meanwhile, children are being murdered. Babies are being born addicted to pain medications. Families are being ripped to shreds. Entire cities are being decimated, and they had a little problem with regulations. Hey, I'm not any kind of a genius, but I, I could have I could have helped to write those regulations, and it would have taken me six years to do it while people were nine. But hey, so they go on as the country continues to feel the effects of the opioid crisis. No kidding. Neither distributors nor the DEA can shirk their oversight responsibilities, the report says. No kidding. All those people should be locked up, okay? All of them. More than, this is where the numbers get a little tricky because there's really no way. Because what happens is um, person A gets into an injury, becomes addicted to drugs that he got with a prescription from his doctor. 
that person becomes an addict, okay? That person then goes on to heroin because heroin has made a return and is, is cheaper than the pills because the pills, I guess they're like 40, 50 bucks a pill. So having to continue with your habit at that amount of money becomes very hard to take. So there you start to escalate crime, children get abused, the whole system starts to fall to pieces. So what they're saying is more than 350,000 people have died of opioid overdoses here since 1999. But and they say far more people die each year from opioid misuse than from traffic accidents or violence. And coming from this country, if we're killing more with pills than we are with guns, that's really saying something. And here we plot along. This investigation is a start to establish some accounting and understanding. I'm sorry. I am really about the epidemic. But this inquiry is only a look at the piece of the overall puzzle, the report said. There are other actors involved in the epidemic, including manufacturers, mm -hmm. and along with the family of the manufacturers, pharmacies, physicians, and drug traffickers. So there's just a whole lot of these things going around. So when we let's go back to this little town there, um, they had in just 10 months, they got three million prescription opioids, 10,000 pills a day to that single pharmacy in that small Western town of 400 people. Well, um, so there's this company called McKesson. They're located out of San Francisco. They're a really big player in this whole, whole opioid thing too. You got to kind of wonder if you know that what you're doing is killing people, if you have a conscience, do you quit your job or do you turn these people in or do you just look the other way? I'm just so concerned because if you're young and you're out there and you're thinking about having kids, pay attention because these drugs are falling into the hands of young children. They're being, they're taking them to the school by mistake in their backpacks. It's, it's a, Serious problem of a magnitude that's actually hard to contain my emotions to express it to you, okay? So these McKesson people are one of the big players out of San Francisco. They provided, and they don't say massive quantities, so God only imagines what that must be. And so they, they did this with hydrocortone. Remember, Oxycontin is this family over here. Hydrocortone is another drug company. But they sent massive quantities to the now shuttered Save Right Pharmacies in Kermit, which was that little town, I guess 400 people, a couple pharmacies. Okay, a lot of pills. Even after an employee at the company's Ohio drug warehouse flagged the suspect pill order in 2007, the report found. So this report finds that in 2007, an employee flagged that there was a problem. But, you know, where, where are you going to tell there's a problem to? Because... You've got the system screwed up, so there's no way to get to the problem. This is, how, this is how you keep things in flux. You keep them gaslit, and you keep them going circular. That year, McKesson ranked six. Six. One, two, three, four, five, six in the Fortune 500. Lots of money in those pills. Lots of money in cheating the system. And when they reviewed all their customers, they found their purchases were reasonable. 
But McKesson shipments to Kermit, that's this little town we keep talking about, and other small towns in West Virginia's southern coal fields were among more than a dozen case studies cited in a scathing report released by the House Energy and Commerce Committee after this investigation about the pill dumping there. Um, Then they bring in these other companies. um, I just named them Cardinal and them. And they... um, they said that failures that contributed to the worsening of the, I mean, really, if it couldn't have gotten worse, okay. They said failures, systemic failures that contributed to the worsening of the opioid epidemic by sending an inordinate number of prescriptions to the state. Yeah, I think so. I, I haven't taken the time to add it up, but we're talking, uh, I don't know, what, a few thousand pills per day per person. So I, I think they got quite a few pills there. So anyway, so this is how we get everybody in West Virginia hooked on pills, okay? So that's how it really starts to go in. So the report also actually did blast the DEA for turning a blind eye to the problem. A blind eye to the problem? How about if they had like their whole face covered up, their ears plugged, and, you know, blind eye is an understatement. The report continues. Our bipartisan investigation revealed a number of alarming failures by the DEA and drug distributors to address the opioid epidemic. Well, no kidding. In instances identified by the report, the DEA and the drug distributors did not meet their obligations and played a part in contributing to our nation's opioid crisis. I, they're being, they're even here. They're being soft on them. I mean, they lit the match. Okay, so there's this one um, psychiatrist who's been after, and he he wrote about the pain pills, and he said that the small town was a, a, a domination. Clearly, this was drug diversion. He said no one was paying attention. Yeah, I, I, I disagree with the no one was paying attention part. I think a lot of people were paying attention. They just didn't want to do anything about it until they got caught. But a lot of people knew because, remember, this family has a lot of money, okay? So they've been paying a lot of people along the way. So let me bring up a couple more little highlights about the report, and then pretty soon we'll get into the family here. So in distributor shipments, they often increase dramatically from one month to the next or even week to week. In just two weeks, Cardinal Health sales jumped 150,000% to a drugstore in Williamson, no small town in West Virginia. They continued to provide painkillers, even though the companies were aware the drugstores were filling prescriptions for rogue doctors under investigation. And, you know, people have this thing about doctors, and I hear from doctors all the time, and they're worried about the other doctors working with them who are psychopaths. So just because a guy's a doctor, you know, don't put your psychopath radar away. Um, So anyhow, so we got all these people they had so of course so now we're now up to 2011 so we're we're moving in on the deal as people are dropping over dead like flies okay so they had a list of pain doctors who were writing the bulk of the store's prescriptions five of the six had been convicted of federal charges or under investigation one doctor was located in virginia 100 miles away 
The companies ignored federal laws. See, this is why I don't know why we have laws, because we don't enforce them. They require them to report pharmacies that ordered a questionable number of prescription pain pills. Between 2006 and 2012, McKesson, our friends from San Francisco, shipped 162.6 million hydrocortone and oxycotton pills to West Virginia, but didn't send any suspicious order reports to the DEA. During the next four years, McKesson submitted 10,000 such reports. Distributors set limits on the number of opioid pharmacies could buy. This is like the fox in the hen house, so the distributors are setting the limits, right? But the companies routinely allowed the drugstores to exceed those caps. See here, now they can say, oh, we had a, a system, but you know, those rogue pharmacies. In Kermit, that's that little town we keep talking about, population 400, the one drugstore there received 36 times as many pills as McKesson's in-house drug monitoring program permitted. So the fox in the hen house, and this, this hen house here is McKesson's, the fox is the corporation, we're allowing them to monitor themselves up until this point, okay? See where this might have kind of slipped off the tracks a little bit? So as the overdose deaths increase, I, I, I don't know um, how many people that you know, but everybody knows somebody who's either dead from opioids. And but let me get back to the numbers a bit. The reason the, reason the numbers seem... Well, they seem high. I mean, I'm not trying to be callous here. We're talking, you know, half a million people. But we don't know what those numbers are. Because remember, you go from your doctor, you get hooked on pills. You Now you need to start doing all kinds of things to pay for the pills. You're out of work. Your life is trash. Your kids are in foster care. Your wife has left you. The dog is in the pound. And your life is just ruined. And these people are just sitting around and they're still collecting their paychecks. So... This has been like a mass, um, I, I, I cannot believe that so many mistakes could be made in one situation, okay? Call me skeptical, okay? So the DEA failed to use its own drug trafficking databases to flag massive shipments of painkillers to small towns like Kermit. Distributors shipped 13 million prescription opioids to Kermit between 2006 and 2012. 13 million into 400 people. Wow, a lot of pills, okay? Um, for years, this is, this is, this is if, if you want to have a system that you don't want to enforce, what you do is you set it up on really shaky grounds. And if you want to make sure that you're not going to ever get caught doing it, you set out to destroy people who are not of your socioeconomic standards. So the rich can then eat the poor this way because uh, how is the, the, um, the coal miner in West Virginia who is now an opioid epidemic or recipient and addict who's lost everything, how's he going to get his money back? How's he going to get his life back? Is there any hope? Is there any price? And wait until you get into the family, okay? So here, here's how we set up a flawed system, okay? So for years, the DEA, our own drug enforcement agency, which is supposed to be protecting us from drug 
sales, right? They take a wild guess, okay? In this big country, opioids are just on fire. How many agents do you think they probably assigned to this case to go into this illegal diversion, you know, the diversion sitting um, millions of pills to a town of 400? How many agents do you think that our government assigned to clean up this mess? Well, if you guessed more than two, you'd be wrong. Two, magic number two, okay? Those two agents were there to investigate these drug diversions for the entire state. Nobody saw a problem with this. And and this state had the highest drug overdose in the nation through those years and still does. And the agency now has eight drug inversions there. I think they probably should have 800. And I think that everybody who got involved in this should be pulled out of their little chairs, but that's just me. The report calls on federal lawmakers, you know, those people that in the old days we used to elect them to go to represent us. Now they go there to get paychecks from the people like these people who want to sell these pills because when I get to the family next, the money involved is just out of this world. So real-time drug traffickers and pumps and pearls. So then, you know, they're always, these people are always so accountable, aren't they? Four of the five distributors have denied they sent their shipments or contributed to the opioid crisis. Gee whiz. Denial, denial, denial. Only one of them has admitted wrongdoing. Good for them. Um, one of them, Cardinal Health. We should call out the people who do things wrong. But they may be sneaking around behind our backs for all I know. But for, for now, it appears like they're doing anything wrong. McKesson, of course, did not respond to comments for questions. And the other people just could not be reached. I guess they're just too busy. So I had to start about the family a little bit, and then I'll pick it up on the other side, okay? We have this family in this country that nobody knew who they were. Imagine that. They'd been around for years. Matter of fact, the great-grandfather was the one who invented Valium, also known as diazepam, widely used for anxiety. Also, if you use it, it will help create depression in you. So not a good pill. But anyway, so this family was the geniuses. At the time, there was Valium and there was another drug called Librium. That was back when, boy, if you think we hand out pills like crazy now, I mean, I remember my best friend in high school, her mother was, they were handing out dexedrine pills and speed and meth and all kinds of stuff was going on then. But, but you know, we know better now. So anyway, so this, um, they said that what finally it took up until 2016 for Forbes, you know, when they do their um, I'm sure you've seen my name on it often. So you're probably very familiar with the list. It's the richest people in the country. Um, so anyway, so these people have flown under the radar all this time. OK, but in nine in 2016, cats out of the bag. Forbes estimated these are the people that own Oxycontin own the entire company. This is not, this is a privately held company, okay? Their conservative wealth is 14 billion <clears throat> excuse excuse me. That made me cough. <laughs> 14 billion with a B. They actually beat out famously wealthy families such as the Meldons, the Rockefellers, and they own Purdue 
Pharmacy, put that name in your little database here. Their company is based in Connecticut. Their name is the Sacklers. S, and somebody said to me, you don't need to spell out. I want to spell it so you know what it is. You, you, you'll be hearing this name a lot. It's Sackler. S-A-C-K-L-E-R. They have hidden their connection to their product. Boy, have they ever. And I'll bet you anything, they've also got a lot of that money hidden somewhere too. So he said that um, they don't, this professor, um, he did write about Keith Humphreys. He's a psychiatrist at Stanford, wrote about the Sacklers. And he pointed out that they don't call it Sackler Pharma. They don't call their pills Sackler Pills. And when they're questioned, they say, well, it's a privately held firm. We're a family. We like to keep our privacy, you understand. But the family is well known for their philanthropic endeavors, with their names visibly emblazoned on hospital wings and museum galleries. There's even a note, a rose named after them, called a Sackler. And with that, my dear friends, I will close for today. Um, remember, you can contact me through the email um, button there. Do include your email address if you'd like a response. And I can't think of what else I got to say except for tune in to the next edition. And let's talk about this Sackler family. Let's see if we can get as outraged towards them as we can these other people who murder people because these people are like mafia level murderers. And this is coming big. All the states are starting to sue them. So you will start to be hearing their names soon. So in the next episode, I'd like to introduce you to these charming folks. There's three brothers. And so we'll trace a little bit about the families. Um, you know, some of them obviously are distancing themselves. Um, but anyway, so that's it for today. Look forward to chatting with you in the next episode. Goodbye for now. Be safe out there. Bye.